Hello and welcome to the Side Hustle Success Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Horns, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kevin Taylor. This is a show for anyone that has a product or business idea and wants to go full-time on it eventually, or maybe you already have. This is a show about product design, entrepreneurs, freelancers, contractors, free agents, digital nomads, and anything in between. In this episode, we're going to be talking about branding and personal branding. Okay. Something which uh, I need to... Start thinking about. Yeah, I think you said obviously you're launching a new product, so this is something you're sort of using for your own stuff. Um, do you want to talk about? Obviously, we're, we're to just like to tell the listeners that we're at a safe social distance. Yes, we are recording at my office, or shall I say, my new office? In the office, yeah, yeah. So I have moved since we last spoke, um, but yeah, but social distance recording. We're both opposite ends of the room, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Good, good distance apart from each other. Just have to shout at each other <laughs> again. Yeah, well, we're using new microphones. Not that many people will probably be that bothered about this, but I've switched over to using Audio Technica AT8531 microphones. Oh, wow, sounds, sounds very special. Which are broadcast quality mics. So when you look at the BBC News in the morning, <laughs> it's the same mics that they'll be wearing. Wow. Well, again, we're, going, we're going pro, aren't we now? Well, the ones I had before were a bit cheap and they were starting to crackle and break a bit. So I thought now's probably a good time to invest. Okay. Anyway, yeah, so. Do a quick update. I've moved office. I'm no longer at Cromford Mill. Yeah, you're in, in your hometown, aren't you? So you can yeah, walk so to your I mean, office now. The last office I was at, absolutely loved the place. I mean, if we didn't have this whole virus thing, I wouldn't have even considered moving. But it made sense to me that actually having an office in the town that I live that I can walk to. Yeah, yeah, because you're having to rely on a train where you to get to I was getting the train, because so, I, don't, I don't drive. Um, so, Did the trains shut down during the during the lockdown did they all they shut down they just went a lot less frequent ah okay so it was a bit yeah. of a pain then yeah yeah it was so I figured right well let's try and find somewhere else local so I spent probably a good two months looking around because I didn't just want to take anything yeah um, but I originally found one in Belper Mill uh, which I was going to take but they took like six weeks to try and draft a contract yeah that's and that's then slow, I heard about this place here and I came to see it on a Friday signed the contract on the Monday yeah, moved in a week later. Wow, that's good. that's quick then, isn't it? Yeah, it shows when people can move when they want to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the other office I looked at, I mean, when they did finally send the contract, which is annoyingly the day that I actually signed the contract <laughs> oh, in this no. place, it was yeah. like a forty, fifty-page book. It was book. Yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely huge. I didn't understand a word of it. It's sort of thing you need a lawyer to look at. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, whereas this is a lot, lot easier. A bit more sensible. Yeah. So I'm not tied into any uh, length of time here. It's all done on one month license. Oh, that's good then, yeah. So you're not signed up for like 12 months or six months or whatever. No, you, you stay as long as you want. If you want to leave, you have to give a month's notice. Yeah, that's, yeah, deep risks it then, doesn't it? But, you know, 15 minutes walk from the house. Which no, is, it's, which yeah, is really it's, very, it's very peaceful, isn't it? I, I like it. It's very nice. Yeah, I mean, there's a train line that runs fairly close by. Um, but it's not too bad. The thing that is annoying me at the moment is in the office, I've got these kind of like box lights on the ceiling. Oh, and there's a and fly. A fly. Yeah. It's managed to get itself stuck up there. It's, it's buzzing, around. yeah. It's really annoying, isn't it? Hopefully, really hopefully <laughs> listeners can't hear that, yeah. I need to recreate that scene from Karate Kid with the, with the chopsticks. <laughs> That'd be impressive. <laughs> try and, that would be try and catch it. Catch the fly. So what, what have you been up to then, Steve, in the last, last month or so? Uh, well, apart from moving, which took up quite a bit of time, so I had to pack the old office up, um, hire a removal company. Okay, yeah. Um, which worked out really well. Uh, but before I moved here, obviously, I gave the place, place a complete lick of paint. Yeah. I've got these like red sound panels on the wall where I record. 
Did you have to that bit right at the top? Because there's like a skyline quite high. Did you? No, that bit. It, the whole room was magnolia, so I left that bit. Oh, that's painted. Oh, there, there was nothing wrong with that bit. Yeah, that's, yeah I thought I thought I was quite impressed. It's quite high up, isn't it? No, no, I didn't paint that bit. Um, but yeah, so I painted the place, got it all moved in. It took me about a week to do the move and sort of setting everything up. Yeah. Um, which kind of was delayed some of the work I was doing on a course, but. I'm still going to hit the deadlines, it's not a problem. No, that's good then. Yeah, so I'm working on a course for Pluralsight at the minute. I'm remaking one of my older courses, which was a cryptography course. Okay. Quite a low-level technical course, but Microsoft has deprecated some things, added too many features here and there. Oh, okay, yeah. So I've uh, been redoing that, and that's due out back end of October. So I've recorded over half of it. I'm going to record a few more bits this week. Uh, apart from that, I'm recording a public speaking course for Skillshare. That's kind of being drafted at the moment. Uh, the book, my Path to Freedom book, is now completely drafted. Oh, wow. Oh, it's done. It finished, is it? It's, well, it's... I've not done the front matter, so like the introduction and forwards yeah. and things like that. that. That's always done last. But every single chapter, chapter 1 to 25, is drafted. Wow, okay, yeah. So I've got a batch with the editor at the moment that she should be sending that back to me within the next week or so, and I'll send her the final batch. Oh, cool. Do you think it's helped doing the podcast? Has that helped distill some of the concepts of the book? or yeah, some, some of the things, things I've been writing about, I've picked as podcast episodes. Oh, to help, yeah, to think more about a particular subject. So hopefully, yeah. hopefully some of the things we've discussed have been fed into the, hopefully, yeah. into the book. So I, I recently wrote two fairly large chapters on branding and uh, yeah, yeah. Hence, hence well, this podcast. Where do I some of the notes came from? In there, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, apart from that, I'm just getting on with projects, getting ready to hunker down for the winter. Things like seem to be getting worse. <laughs> gonna hibernate. Hibernate like a hedgehog. For hopefully, COVID will be able when you when you when you get out of hibernation. Yeah, hopefully, we still have a society left in, in yeah, the spring. Hopefully, yeah. It's fairly brutal, isn't it, out there? Um, yeah. How about yourself? Yeah, we're doing. Uh, obviously, we're always working on things. The thing we're working on at the moment is. Um, we have the steel beam calculator project and we're looking at sort of introducing it to other countries so also looking at different languages so we're looking at doing a French and a German version of the calculator um, obviously some of the language is quite technical so we're having we'll probably have to get specialist translators in to sort of decode okay. some of the engineering terminology because it's not just a matter of understanding languages the nuances of kind of the engineering as well um, so we're looking at doing that I've done quite a lot of work on we do like Google and Bing ads so I've been working on those which doesn't seem to have paid off actually some of the work we've been like writing new copy for ads and things like that do you know I never actually consider using Bing for doing ads is, is, does Bing work out yeah it does actually Bing's pretty good because um, there's less competition on it so you can get cheaper cost per click okay. although there, it, it's not it's not as important because there's just so little traffic on it you know but you can get good returns on it because the, there's less competition generally okay, so for keywords good, so do you get a good amount of converting traffic yeah, 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 reasonable. It's, it's reasonable, yeah. Still quite a lot of people do use Bing because some, some people have Microsoft devices that are, I think that by default set up to Bing and people, yeah. some people just don't change them, you know, especially if they're non-technical people, you know. Some of our, a lot of our customers aren't really that technical. Um, so, yeah, it, does, it, it can work. It can work well. Uh, so I'm doing that. Uh, the thing is, I felt a bit rough last month. I had a quite nasty cold. I think it, my little boy had started nursery. Right. He developed like a, a cold, which I caught off him, and I, I started coughing quite badly. So I had a had a COVID test, but luckily yeah. it came back negative. We had to wait like seventy two hours to get a result, which was agonising, yeah, and we didn't right. get the results until the day that it, that morning was the morning that my um, my eldest boy was starting school. Right. So we wanted to get the results so he could start school. Right. Okay. But luckily it was ne- it came back negative that morning, so he went to school as normal. You know. Yeah, I did one so back was, in May because I had a. Sort of high temperature 
uh, what was it about early May, I think it was. And oh, was it? Yeah, I had the, yeah, the COVID test. Yeah, it was before they were readily available, but because of some of the projects my wife works on at her company, um, they made uh, testing available for ah, okay, her family, yeah. so she ordered me one, and it's, it's unpleasant, isn't it? I, I, I did the drive-through one, so I had somebody do it for me. Okay. So they had like a nurse or whatever, they... They did the test for me, so I didn't have to do. Did you have to do it yourself? Put the, did the it yourself, yeah. Nose you can rub it around the tonsils and tonsils and then nose, yeah. Nose, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit, it was. It was a bit. It wasn't too bad actually. But yeah, it's a bit unpleasant, isn't it? But it was. It was just stressful because obviously I'd, I'd quite a hacking cough and I didn't know what it was. But I didn't have the temperature. But you know, just just better safe, safe than sorry. So yeah, lucky absolutely. it came came back. I did feel rough for a couple of weeks though, um, but I think it was just a cold. Um, the other thing is, we, because we're getting, we're doing really well actually at the moment, we're doing pretty well, and what that's happened is we're getting a lot more email and phone support, so I'm really, right. it, it seems, I think that's almost reaching a point where eventually it will become like a full-time job just doing support with the product, so at some point I might have to hire somebody. Um, Didn't you have someone doing support for you already? We do, somebody, somebody does email support, right. helps out a bit, but still, there's still a lot, he's anything an hour a day, right. so we perhaps need more, more extra support with that, to be honest, so... At some point, we'll probably look in the future. I think we want to hire, like, um, probably next year, we want to hire, like, a developer to help on the development side of the new stuff we're building, and then, obviously, a structure engineer to help with, obviously, getting product development, but also doing support. Have um, an empire going. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, if anybody out there, if there's any structure engineers or, or sort of Python, straight PHP developers out there that are interested, you know, just reach out to me, because probably at some point next year, we will be looking to hire people. So if it's something interesting, you know, just keep in touch, and then... I'll take them, take them on board. Well, now's probably a good time to hire people. There's a lot of uh, yeah, there might a be lot of people out there. Yeah, I don't know who does listen. I don't know how many how many people listen. Have <laughs> there a few people listening to this podcast? And there might oh, be a few, a few developers out there, or, or, or structural engineers. Well, probably where many still in the might be looking to have one structural engineer. But if you are, yeah, reach out to us and we'll have a chat. Well, if you ever need to use a local recruiter, I can suggest some of the non-shady ones. Oh, you know, yeah, you know, I, I, people. I, I, I know the good ones. Oh, okay, yeah, you have to let us know. Yeah, cool. Okay, so let's move on to our questions. Okay, so our first question today is from Colin. So I'm trying to develop an online service aimed at the telecoms industry. But as I write the software, it's just getting bigger and bigger in scope. But I don't want to bring anyone else on board. What would you do? That's a really tricky one. I, I think sometimes I think sometimes the market that you're in dictates how big a product needs to be or what the customers demand. I mean... If it's a really niche small market, like with our steel beam calculator, we could build, because it wasn't a massive market, we could build a smaller product and that was acceptable to our clients. You know, it, it did, obviously, you could interview your clients and ask them if there's just, you know, the, the clients might only want one particular feature, but you're building random things that they don't actually require. So you might have to do the whole, there's a book called The Mom Test. Have you read that? Have you where? The, what, the, the Mom Test? The, the Mom Test, yeah, where you um, basically do customer interviews and then you find out what their pain points are. Hmm. And then obviously you want to build a product around their particular pain point. But are you building a bigger scope because you just want to build it or is it because what the customers actually require, you know, so you've got to bear that in mind. This is what I was thinking. Does it, does it come down to... You know, the, the the big and shiny, like you build something, then you want to build something. Yeah, you're just it's building it because you want to build it, or is, is there actually customer demand for what you're building? It may be that there is customer demand, and, and that's the market that you're in. If you're in a market that's particularly complex and the customers demand all of these features, and it's a big market, you might. It's, it, it, sometimes I always thought that you know the product drove the business, but it, sometimes it's the market. Yeah, it depends what market you're in. You know, sometimes that would dictate what kind of product you build, you know. Yeah, I mean, the last proper company I worked at was building um, 
non-reliance or software as a service insurance claims management platform. Yeah. And that's kind of, it feels like a similar thing. It's saying that it has a huge, huge scope and the company you know, had the vision to do the whole thing. But what we did is we narrowed down onto one very small market sector, which was um, first notification of loss. Yeah, yeah. So if your car's been stolen or completely written off, we just focus on that bit. So, yeah, it might so, be. So we're not going about repairing cars. It's like your car's been written off, you need evaluation and the pain. I think you're right. Probably so with, this, with, with Colin, I think he needs to look at um, you know, one small chunk that you can take on. That just does one thing, but does it really, really well. There's a you know particular pain point that's um, that's in the telecoms industry, and then just really, really go for that. But it is hard. Sometimes you might find that that industry and those customers demand a really big product that does everything, and that does lots of different things, and you just have to build that product. So it depends what market you're in, I think, as well. Yeah. So I guess the guess lesson there is try and engage with some of your potential customers. Yeah, yeah, and see find, if there's a smaller. It might be worth if you did want to build a smaller product, is look for a different, almost different market. You know, mm. a, a different. It's hard, isn't it? Cool. And the second question is from Joyce. So I was made redundant from my company as demand fell through due to COVID. Uh, sorry to hear that. Yeah, sorry about um, that. I have a good level of savings equal to five months and the grain of an idea, but I'm scared about trying to start something. It feels like I should be looking for a job. Is now a good time? Um. This is really hard. I think this is going to apply to a lot of people, isn't yeah. it? Um, it's, it's kind of. I know a lot of people lost their jobs. It's quite brutal out there. It's 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 not good, is it? Um, I I don't see why you can't do both. If you can apply for jobs and also at the same time try and start your own thing, especially if you can do it without having to risk any kind of money. Yeah. Um, that would that be the best of both worlds. And then you and then you'd sort of like if you're struggling to find a job then at least you might have a business that might be able to make some income you know especially yeah, if you I mean, can try and pick something where you can earn income pretty quickly you know with a low you know low risk yeah. in terms of capital investment there's no rule that says you have to commit to an idea full time from the start I mean I was yeah. I was building courses part time in the evenings for three years yeah that's, I didn't think about it. that's what I was thinking I don't see why you can't do both is, that, is yeah. that what your thoughts were Steve or yeah no I'd agree with that so I mean obviously things are very challenging at the moment so probably the safest thing to do is to try and seek employment. But also, if you've got a grain of an idea, and the fact that she used the words grain of an idea means it's probably not a developed yeah, yeah. or you know, drastically thought out idea. So maybe start that process of thinking out your idea and testing the market, but also seek employment at the same time. Yeah, I think I'd do both. I, I, um, perhaps priority should be good to get the job, I think, mm. if it's just a grain of an idea. If it was a really well-developed idea and you'd already making a bit of money, you know, it might be time to double down on it. Uh, but if it's just if you're just starting out, it might be worth. I'd still do both, though. I think I don't see why you can't have a job and still have a side yeah, I'll business. Yeah, I mean, side five, five months of savings saved up feels like a very short runway. Yeah, runway. yeah. So I'd be constantly panicking about running out of money, basically. So yeah, yeah it's I would... brutal. Yeah, it's brutal. I mean, it might be worth if it is a great idea and you've got the time and it's not affecting your ability to hunt for jobs. Is perhaps put more work into into your idea and see if it's something you can run with but obviously not at the expense of getting a job you know yeah I mean she doesn't say what her family situation is but it's just her or she's got a family with her as well yeah yeah it's, obviously, obviously those circumstances will affect your decision making quite significantly yeah I thought for our show topic today it'd be interesting to talk about branding and personal branding as well okay yeah a few reasons for this really so I've got I've got a load of notes in front of us with some theory. So I've just written two last chapters in the book on this. Okay. Yeah, something yeah. that's fresh in my mind. But also, 
for me personally, the plans I'm doing with the book is it's called Path to Freedom. I actually want to create a business called Path to Freedom. It's not just going to be the book, that's just going to be one part of it. And I want to build like a whole online training workshop. Yeah, no, it sounds, that, it's, that I can teach in person or over Zoom and, <laughs> yeah. and pre-recorded content as well. So I need to think about how I'm going to position this and how I'm going to brand it and kind of what the story is and all of that. Yeah. Plus, you know, I guess you might have, you have similar things around your business as well, kind of like how you brand it, how you position it, who it's aimed at. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, these are still things in flux, but yeah, it's things that we are working through, yeah. So start with a definition. So it's good to start with a definition. Okay. Nice, nice tidy paragraph. So branding is the marketing practice of making a particular design, name, slogan, or picture easily identifiable in accordance with a specific product. This product will be easily identifiable according to its production within... again. This product will be easily identifiable according to its production within a certain company, and this helps others distinguish those particular products from similar products from other companies. Okay. So, yeah. you know, have, how do you differentiate yourself from other products? Okay. So, you know, why branding is important. So, as just said, it helps people recognize a product. Yeah, yeah. So, it's like, you know, if you think about, for you personally, what do you think are some of the most powerful brands out there, the ones that you kind of respect personally? I don't know, respect like the well-known ones, you know, things like Microsoft and Coca-Cola and things like yeah. that. You know, these are well-known brands, aren't they? Um yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it, Brandy? It seems something. It seems something so random, doesn't it? But I, I think I like the the companies that have uh, that stand for something, you know, or mm. they have a, a value, you know, that you believe. I used to wear like Tom's, you know, Tom's the shoes. Yeah. And I liked it because they what they do is when you buy a pair, they give um, shoes to somebody else who can't afford a pair of shoes, you know, things like that. You know, that's the part oh, of their yeah, branding. Just like, is that off a clothing company that does like outdoor wear? Is it Patagonia? Oh yeah, yeah. Do they do something similar? I really like that. You know, I like that 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 brand. You know, obviously they have a brand around. You know, sort of giving back. You know. So you like brands that have kind of a strong sense of like social responsibility. Um, Yeah, ideally, yeah, not always, but you know, obviously it's nice to to think that you know that you're buying. If it makes you feel better, doesn't it, about buying a particular product? You know, if they if they do things like that. I mean, I guess when you look at. um, like comparing similar products or companies like supermarkets for example so in, in the UK we have one brand called Waitrose okay, yeah. and another brand Little example yeah, yeah yeah now they both have very distinctive strong brands you know you, you know who they are when you see what well, if you live in the UK yeah you, yeah you know yeah. who they are I suppose it's a bit like Walmart and yeah they, they, who's, yeah. who's, a, who's a higher end brand in Macy's is that a Whole Foods, is it? Something like that. I'm not (laughs) not really well on American brands, but yeah. We have a lot of American listeners. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Trying to to relate it back to American brands. Probably different scene, like, is it Whole Foods and, like, say, uh, Walmart, let's say? Whole Foods is Amazon now, isn't it? Oh, is it? Yeah, okay. Swallowed up by Amazon. Yeah, I think everybody is these days. When you look at, so I use the Waitrose and the little one, because Waitrose is kind of seen as being you know more expensive higher quality groceries you know. yeah that's probably influenced in their branding though isn't it their their logo probably looks different to you know let's say Lidl's would be which is probably quite denotes yeah, that Lidl's they're is, yeah, more value isn't like it low cost better value yeah yeah it's just different positioning isn't it but a good brand should try and make you feel trustworthy as well yeah, I think it comes with, honestly, if you see that brand continually, it'd be you trust that product, don't you? So, say, for example, if you just turned up in a new country and you wanted to order some cola and you saw, like, Pepsi or Coca-Cola, you'd probably order that because you wouldn't know what the other ones were, you know? True, yeah. Um, so, 
yeah, I think I think yeah, I think those do mean something that over time, you know, brand matters, doesn't it? Yeah, so all good brands should have what's called a mission statement and a vision statement. Yeah, we, we, have, we I think I think we should really. Yeah, I've, I've got I've got a good idea what what we're about, but yeah. Um, so yeah, what what do you think your mission should be? Or well, I mean, let's, let's look at what they are first. So, mission statement is what does my business do? What type of customers do we serve, and how do we effectively serve them? So, in terms of like what I'm doing with Path to Freedom, there's actually a tagline for the book. I think that actually makes quite an interesting mission statement. Maybe. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Some marketers listening is going to tell me that I'm completely wrong. Yeah. But it's a path to freedom, a guide to running a small business for the reluctant entrepreneur. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So I'm aiming it at a specific subset of people because there's millions and millions of business books out there. Yeah, you know, yeah. We, we discuss them all the time on the book. But when I relate back to my journey, this is how we're going to relate it back to having a personal story. Oh, I, see. I was always terrified of creating a business, mostly due to something that happened when I was younger, which kind of um, threw me off the idea a bit. Jaded you a bit, which, yeah. Which I'll, I'll talk about in a moment, but... Um, so I always consider myself to be a luxury entrepreneur. I'm not like my friend Steve, for example, who's like, you know, trying to, everything's about creating businesses. Yeah. Like yeah he sees right. a business opportunity in everything and then he will run headfirst into it. Really? It's like the kind of, the classic entrepreneur is somebody, the sort of risk taker, isn't it? You yeah. Know, so this, so he, like he's that. very much a risk taker. So, you know, he's kind of funded businesses off of credit cards before just to get things. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm, yeah, that's not my approach, you know, but yeah. I know some people like that. I, I, I like the idea of this classic entrepreneur where they, you know, chuck everything at it and you know they risk going bankrupt and they yeah. they quite often do but they always still make it don't they you know they sort of guys whereas know. I was always terrified of the idea until I kind of fell into it and actually realised actually <laughs> I can do this it's not that terrifying yeah because the thing that made me reluctant is when, when I was younger I used to develop computer games and I did this from quite a young age so me and my friend Chris was making a game on the Amiga for people old enough to remember oh god yeah yeah I do remember that and yeah. we got a game contract we were 16 years old, just, wow. finished, just finished school, and we got a contract to build this game. For the well, we'd already half built it, uh, called Dark Mission. It's kind of like a cross between a graphic adventure and... Do you remember a game called Syndicate? It, it rings a bell, it's kind yeah. It's like a mission-based game where you command troops around and you... Yeah, it rings a bell, no, no, no yeah. Was it from the 90s? Would it have been yeah. more earlier? So we had this, this game that we was building, we signed to a contract, and being young and cocky, we're like, yeah, we've made it, this is it. Oh, this really? Imagine, imagine if you were 16, though, you know, you think, God, yeah. We, we need to deliver the game, you know, and then we'll set up the company, we'll have a massive game development studio, and it's just all going to be, like, smooth sailing. Because okay, yeah. we were young and stupid. What we didn't bank on was Commodore going bust. Oh, so no. Commodore was a company that made the Amiga. Now, I wasn't skilled in coding on any other platform at that point. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. So as soon as Commodore went bust, it um, basically triggered an exit clause in the contract in the small print, which obviously we didn't read. <laughs> no, yeah, it was very Would anybody they read? Really? The whole thing just kind of fell apart at that point. And that was kind of like one of my very first hard knocks. Really? Like this yeah. thing that we were like working so hard on, and it all just like the rug was just completely pulled from under our feet. Mm. And then I had to do the fallback position of going to university. We yeah. had a few years of doing this. You know, and did it while I was, was at college. Yeah. And then it's like, oh no, now I've got to go to uni. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Oh well, what can you do? So that so that experience always made me very reluctant to start a business. I've, I've never been entrepreneurial. You felt like yeah, that 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 you sort of stung by that experience. So yeah. So that's kind of the angle, kind of the mission, I guess, of the book is kind of you know to aim it at people that are terrified. They they, they like the idea of running a business, but they're yeah, the, perhaps they need that help with. Uh, that's why it's good. What we do because we do the side hustle. It's not the 
quit your job and you know burn all your money yeah <laughs> that, that, that's, very much, that's very much a focus of what the book is it's like it's about doing things keeping it small de-risking similar, isn't it, yeah. similar to the um, company of one book ah uh, okay yeah yeah so similar stance to what that book takes as well about you know keep things small work out what success is for you work out what the number is that you're aiming for you don't really need to go higher than that number just yeah just have this uh, this goal I, I like that it's nice isn't it I think that business is going to help a lot so that book is going to help a lot of people isn't it um, absolutely yeah, I mean that's that's what's nice with our product. It's great to hear from customers that have bought our our tools and then gone and set built their business almost around our tools. There's people out there that use our that would without our tool would would their businesses might not exist, you know, or you know, it's so, nice so, they've so gone you've out. Had, you've had to put a tagline on your company, put you on the spot now. You've had yeah, to put a tagline on what, what you do. What oh my god, you know what we this is this is something we we still we're still working through, um, but I, I want it to just empower empower people. To, I'm trying to think. What was? What, how would you? How would you think? Um, just empower users to do things that they couldn't do without mm. our tool. You know, it, you know, work in ways that that gives them the life that they want. You know, empowering safe construction. Or yeah, like that. yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's not something we really have to. These are still things we're working through. So I guess you've got a good safety angle on what you're doing. So like if you don't use this product, you try and do it yourself. You, you, <laughs> your building's going to collapse. Well, yeah, not necessarily. But I mean, it, 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 it's it obviously enables them to do the calculation safer, but obviously it's, the, it's a lot quicker than other tools as well. So. It can, um, you know, but yeah, just it enables to do really complex calculations really easily. That would be really hard to do manually, you know. So it, it, it definitely helps. And, and we so we're moving complexity. As well. Yeah, and also it's not just knowing the mathematics; it's knowing the way through the design code. So our software helps you navigate through these complex design codes as well. So no, it's good. I, I do feel good about what the product does. Perhaps we don't communicate this brilliantly, you know. But you know, we can do more on that. But that's part of the branding, isn't it? You know. Um, but we're still working through these, you know. The product's still evolving. So, have you ever tried any of that split A/B testing that you can do on your on like a web page? We have done bits, yeah, yeah, not not loads, just more on the marketing copy and bits and bobs, and on the pricing pages, you know, the copy. And That's one of the things I eventually want to have when, when, I, when I build the online workshop. All, all the entry pages that go into that, I want to be able to I test. Think Google do one, don't they? Now, you know, you can use Google. We've got tools for A/B testing. Mm. We have done it before, where yeah, and you look at different pages, and then it gives you, uh, you know, statistical likelihood of that being better than the other page, you know, based on whatever metrics you're checking for, you know. Yeah. Um, cool. So yeah, so that's the mission statement. So that's kind of the what does the business do? What is what is my mission? Then you have a vision statement. So you know, what are the hopes and dreams of the business? Uh, what problems are we trying to solve that can? What problems are we able to solve that can benefit you or act towards a greater good? And or what or who are we striving to change? Okay, this yeah. is kind of like the sort of the broader vision of the company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, does this tell down to sometimes the founders' hopes and dreams of what the business can do for them and also for their customers? Is that is that what you mean? Or like, yeah, I, mean, I guess when you look like at how it changes the industry. That's what I say. When you look at evil, that's not what I mean. When you look at, look at Google, <laughs> evil. <laughs> their, their original vision wasn't it? Don't be evil. That's quite low. Is that just is that be but you're okay to be slightly evil <laughs> or, or like that sounds a bit like I think non-committal. I think I think they've removed that now. That yeah, don't be evil, people. but don't be evil, but just not be great or something like that. So I don't know. I don't like them either. But yeah, I, I know what they mean. Yeah, I know. Obviously, trying to say that we're the we're the okay guys. So I've got some examples here of sort of companies that I think have got strong brands. Obviously, these are big companies. So Tesla, 
Okay, yeah, yeah. So their mission statement says that they want to accelerate the world's transition towards more sustainable energy. Which I think it's quite a good mission. Yeah, that sounds good. And their vision statement says that they want to create the most interesting and compelling cars of the 21st century, which drives the rest of the world to transition to electrically powered vehicles. Okay, yeah. I think it's interesting what they said recently because they're now they've put kind of put a tentative timeline on when they're going to have like, the mass market consumer car. Okay, yeah. And I think that's when Tesla is just going to absolutely. Is it? Yeah, rocket. yeah. If they can, if they can mass produce a, a regular car, you know, that's well because they built a high end car, which obviously sells in lower numbers, but that then funds the next level of car that they do, which is kind of the more the mid range car that they've got now. I yeah, I can't remember the car names. There's like an S and an X and all that. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. But I think what's going to be really interesting is when they get into that sort of like you know your family car territory. Yeah, yeah, just a generic car on it. Especially the problem with electric is it's got to compete on price, doesn't it? With mm. with a petrol car, I think once if if they're on parity or anywhere near parity, I think they're gonna. Yeah, it's yeah. Gonna, I've discussed yeah. it with my wife about electric cars because we we recently bought a new car because the other one was getting getting a bit old. Okay, yeah. we didn't get anything fancy. It was just like a say a, a Rona, I think it was. So, yeah, okay, it's yeah. A yeah, solid family car. But we we talked about electric. But I mean, the thing that puts my wife off of it because she it's her car basically yeah. is, uh, is range anxiety of the battery. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. So she was driving up to her mum's with like a full. I was about to say tank, but with a full battery, get you the the three hundred miles. Oh, that's always the worry. Isn't or if you then yeah. got to stop late at night, it's hard because and wait you probably only do them. You know, probably ninety nine percent of journeys it wouldn't be a problem, but it's those odd ones, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think if any company can pioneer the batteries on this, I think it's going to be Tesla. Yeah, yeah, if they can come up with a solution to that. So Amazon, for example, so their mission statement says that they strive to offer all of their customers the lowest prices, the best selection, and the utmost convenience. Okay, yeah, yeah. I think we can all say that Amazon is very convenient. Yeah, yeah. Bit too convenient. Bit too convenient. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've always got a little brown package to yeah. up. Um, and their vision statement is straightforward. But, um, it shows that they're envisioning great developments for their business. Uh, their vision is to be the world's most customer-centric company where customers can discover and find anything that they might consider buying online. Okay, yeah. That sounds good. I think they've kind of hit the nail on the head. Yeah, what they I, think I think we all know, don't they, what, what Amazon is and what it stands for. I think they're a brilliant company. I've had a few arguments with people, actually, because they're saying, oh, that Amazon basically destroys the high streets. Yeah. Um, but I disagree because... When you look at what Amazon actually offers below, below the surface, or below the surface, it's actually a really, really powerful uh, marketplace. Oh, for people to sell on. For yeah. people to sell on. Now, I think what you have to do now um, is so if, so if you're a shop and you, you look at, let's say, your 10 biggest selling items, they could then go and list those on Amazon, try and compete on price. But then what you do is you ship those products to Amazon and they fulfill it for you. Yeah. yeah. So, because obviously customers want their primes, so they want things the next day. So, yeah, so they have yeah. a facility now. So if you've got ten different widgets and they sell generally well in your shop, they're probably going to sell well online. So you can place them online and set the price. Yeah, you'll, yeah. Be, selling, you'll be selling alongside other retailers. You have to compete, but then they will handle all of the. Um, it's a trick, on it. I'm sure there's people that there's probably lots of people out there that you don't see that make a living off selling things online. You know, you don't mm. see that they do. You know, uh, I don't know. It's a trick, on really. I, I, it's a hard one, isn't it? How to. How to do? How there's to a, there's do a whole category of businesses called fulfilled by Amazon FBA businesses. Yeah. So if you yeah, Google yeah, FBA businesses, there's loads of tutorials on how to how to set one up, how yeah. to order a bulk stock from Alibaba or AliExpress oh, yeah. in China and have it <laughs> yeah. shipped directly to Amazon for them to send out to you. Yeah, it's, I think it's it's quite a competitive market, but yeah, I, I, I do I do like the what Amazon is. You know, 
it's a tricky one because we like the convenience, don't we? Things mm. being delivered to your house straight away, you know, and sometimes having to go all the way to a store or drive somewhere, you know, and get get out and go and wander around. And they might not have as much choice, you know, they don't have exactly what you need and it's expensive. I mean, and they were kind of essential during lockdown. Cause, yeah, yeah. I can imagine that Amazon have done pretty well. <laughs> I expect so. Um, so another example I've got is uh, TED or TED Talks. If you've okay. ever seen any of the talks online. Yeah, and of course, yeah, yeah. I mean, TED is a business. So, well, before human restrictions are in place, they used to run these big conferences. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. You could, uh, was it stands for Talk, Educate and Discover, I think it is. Is it? Oh, okay, called? yeah. Uh, so their mission statement is one of the simplest statements that's been made by any company because it simply consists of two words, spread ideas. Oh, well, that's, yeah, that's powerful, isn't it? And it's easy to, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's an app you can get on like the phone and the iPad, which is the TED app, and you can just go on there and you can just, you can, it will just randomly give you interesting talks to listen to. Yeah. Or you can go in specific subjects. It's good. I mean, have you seen, have you seen the Simon Sinek one? The, uh, I've seen quite why, a few of these. Yeah, yeah. just one on, that, that's probably about branding. It was like, mm. the example they give is, um, you know, why, for example, the, the Wright brothers were able to develop the aeroplane um, and I think it was because they kind of believed in what uh, transportation could be. You know, they believed in the vision of it. Whether, so there was something else that's similar, sort of common what the name was, but they were trying to develop the aeroplane, but they weren't successful because they were just in it for the fame and the money. They didn't really have a vision for what I've literally just read about like, this example in the book. Have you read um, Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill? I've started reading it. It was kind of a bit, I kind of gave up with it after about getting about a third of the way through it. But it, yeah. It's quite interesting. It's quite an old book. It's like from what, the late 30s when it was originally oh, written. Yeah. There's, a, there's a newer update of it, obviously not written by him because he passed away, but it, there's an update where they try yeah. and relate some more like modern companies into it. Oh, okay. Yeah, but yeah. One, of the, one of the points in that is that if you have an idea for a business, just trying to execute the idea alone isn't, you're not necessarily going to succeed. It's about having that vision of what the actual end product's going to look like yeah. and then working backwards from there. Yeah. And it, it, that's just ex- the example you gave there. I think you must have subconsciously remembered it from, no, from that did, book. Yeah, no, but he no, was no, talking about the right brothers. That's, that's po- probably part of branding, isn't it? It's communicating what you could believe that, that to be. You know, Obviously, with our product, I think our product would be there to massively help our customers. You know, That's why I believe in what we're doing. Mm. I don't think I'd do it otherwise, you know. But if I didn't think it was going to make the world a better place, well, if you don't believe in it, you're not going to be passionate about it. Either. No, you're just not going to bother, right? That's that's sometimes where it's hard. Sometimes you think if people are just doing it for the money, are they? You know, they don't believe in it. You know, it's, it's hard. That must come across in all of your communication, your branding, and the way you think about the business. So, yeah, I think absolutely. branding is sort of like it's uh, distilling what you think, isn't it? Really. So when you set a brand, or when you set a brand up, you typically hear people talk about brand guidelines. Okay, yeah, which, yeah. Is quite, which is quite an interesting thing to delve into. So that's things like logos, the colours of the logos, because colour has an a massive has like a massive emotional impact on people. Yeah, yeah, I know we've it sort of changed our branding as we've gone with the steel beam calculator. I've tried to make it more relatable to what the actual product is. Hmm. Now typography as well. So if you use Comic Sans in your logo, <laughs> oh, okay, what does that say about you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And things like the emotional feel of the artwork. So if you're doing a business, say care home for example you're not going to have a picture of a vampire on the logo are you? <laughs> <laughs> you should that's a crap example that's the best I could think of and they should do there's perhaps a niche there vampire loving sort of care homes yeah but yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's quite important sort of how, how you pitch the logo the colours of the logo the typography and kind of how it kind of feels into people's emotions yeah I think if you have a, if you have a vision for the business I think it probably flows doesn't it from that vision doesn't it or it should do shouldn't it all of, all of these things yeah so if you're trying to do like a very 
fun, cuddly, nice business. You're not going to have like blacks and dark blues and some kind of like horror font and a picture of a knife or something. Like that. No. <laughs> we get, we're getting near Halloween. I'm getting yeah. in the Halloween mood. And but that also affects how you're portrayed on social media as well. I mean, that's kind of an important part of brand guidelines, which. I don't think a lot of people think too closely about yeah, thinking should, about your brand. It should, it should all follow. Everything should follow through, shouldn't it? So it should be consistent among. So just how how you conduct yourself on social media. media. Yeah, I think I think you've got to be careful, haven't you? What you know, what you say, or the the images that you, the way you portray yourself, you know, that has to reflect the the brand, doesn't it? Yeah. And then, kind of another bit, which is something I'm looking at at the minute, is trademarking and protecting your brand. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of, it's one of those necessary things you need to do to stop someone else trying to trade off of your brand. What's, what sort of things have you, have you done like trade, you know, trademarks, and obviously got copyright. But I, I, haven't, I haven't trademarked yet, but I've been looking at it and it's expensive. Is it? Yeah, yeah. So first of all, you need to do a trademark search and you need to specify what territory you want it to be done in. So really, if you're doing an online business, it needs to be worldwide. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. So I was looking at initially like two, three hundred pounds just to do the search. Yeah, I get these yeah, companies yeah. to do a detailed search, and then you're looking at multiple thousands of pounds. Wow, okay. Like, up, upwards of about five, I think it was, to actually do a, a worldwide trademark. Is it? Oh, okay, so then people can't just call themselves, you know, or use similar branding to your. Yeah, so a very your... similar look and feel, or or the same name. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. But yeah. the problem with that, I mean, even if you pay that out, if someone does then try to do that, you've got to be able to afford to defend yourself. Oh, so it can be an expensive game then, yeah. Yeah, it's like with patenting as well. So if you patent an idea, or patent, however you pronounce it, yeah, an idea, you kind of then have to be able to afford to yeah, defend it as well. Yeah, it's not something I've really looked at. I mean, we always have just the opinion of getting it out the door and getting stuff done, mm. you know, and then we'll, you know... I mean, a lot of we do, in terms of intellectual property, a lot of it isn't protectable anyway, because it's, you know, it's... We, we, we work to design codes that are out there in the public, you know, it's not yeah. like we're doing anything uniquely different in any but there probably is things we probably could protect but oh, so you get to comply with lots of building regulations as well yeah yeah so there's oh. various different sort of design codes out there but that's but fun yeah it is yeah, yeah so if you go into the US doesn't like each state have its own set of codes no not, not really no some do have like uh, for example like earthquake and different snow requirements things like mm. that you know so there is variation but no I mean it's it's relatively similar you know, but there's there's various different things you have to consider. There's a lot of complexity. You imagine like looking at even different snow loads or different wind loads, or mm. there's a lot of complexity in there. You know, um, but yeah, we haven't. But yeah, we haven't really got much in terms of. Perhaps we should at some point look at trademarking it. You know, I'm like, what do you actually trademark? Is it your logo, or is it the the tone, or the copy, or what is it? Um, is it that you actually. It's mostly the name. So if you've got. But that name still being calculated, for example. Oh, okay. You might trademark that name. So if someone comes with a, a competing product, you don't want to call somebody themselves did, still being calculated. Once get our homepage and put it on a skin it onto a WordPress site, and it looks really? like we're going to develop a similar product to ours, but it was using our branding and everything, which like, oh, it's not really on. And so, yeah, what we, so, so what, it's, it's about protecting. It's, it's giving so yourself legal protection we, against we, that. We got. We had to get a solicitor involved to send them a letter saying that you can't do that. And they, they they took it down. So right. and they never actually launched the product in the end. So even if they were thinking of doing something similar, it's a bit so, cheeky, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it was when they actually got our homepage and stuck it on their page, basically like word, you know. So it's not just a similar product. It's all blatant. Yeah, blatant that, that, fact. that comes that comes under like copyright, doesn't it? Mm. Rather than like um, trademark, doesn't it? So. 
Um, but you do get a lot of like, um, I've heard this story where we get like one of the trademark trolls where you know where a company trademarks and then they just go around like hassling everybody who's got a Oh, uh, patent trolls. Patent trolls, yeah. yeah. They're a particularly nasty variety of uh, yeah, yeah, it's, in- individual. It's, yeah, it's, it's a bit unpleasant. But we don't, I don't think it's that so much in the UK. It's probably more in the US. I think it is more of a US thing, yeah. Yeah, I think that's more... So their, their whole cool. business is literally buying up patents and then trying to sue people. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. where they make their money through litigation. Oh, no, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like to have to deal with that. It's a kind of a horrible, nasty culture. Something I thought that was interesting to look at is, you know, the sort of people we hopefully have listening to the show are people that are, you know, that single person, you know, by themselves trying to create their own business. And a lot yeah. of the times when you do that, kind of you as the individual can become that brand. Yeah, I mean, that, that's just, I mean, that can be good or bad, you know. Obviously, you can't, your business is, you, your name, so you, you personally are associated with your business. Mm. So if you ever want to extract yourself from the business or... Yeah, well, I, I wouldn't really be able to very easily. So, for example, the courses I do for Pearl Site, they're done by me. I, yeah. I am the brand behind those courses. I couldn't, like, hire Bob to go and, <laughs> make, to go, to, to go and make the courses for brand. me. Yeah, I, mean, I think it depends. Some businesses do do that. You know, they, it's, it's built around the person um, or the people. You know, it's, it's, it's an entity in its own right. Yeah, I think that depends, doesn't it, on what, what you're trying to do. You mean, look at some examples of people with good strong personal brands being okay. um, so Tony Robbins have you heard of Tony Robbins oh of course yeah, yeah, sort of the, yeah. it's like a motivational speaker yeah guru yeah, thing. yeah I've heard, heard him. I think I watched some of his YouTube videos and seen bits and bobs yeah it's quite interesting yeah, he gets people into a big like auditorium and he's very energetic on stage so yeah yeah very American it's like very lots of hooping and woo yeah uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, yeah it's like that did you see that thing with Louis Theroux where he did like um he was talking to a guy who's like a motivational speaker type person, mm. you know, and he seems a bit of a scumster, really, you know. It's, yeah, it's a bit sort of like where they, they go all go into a room and they try and upsell these courses and they'll shout mm. a lot and get noisy. It's, it's, a very, oh, it's a bit like those multi level marketing things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's sort of, yeah, it's different, isn't it? Yeah, you don't see that so much in the, uh, We're a bit too reserved in, in the UK to do that, aren't we? I think generally it doesn't. I think you do still get yeah, those sorts yeah. of things, but it's not as very, it's not as in your face. Yeah, perhaps it's more toned down, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, another good one, so Michelle Obama. Oh, okay, yeah, pres- yeah, yeah. The wife of the former former Barack president, Obama, Barack yeah. Obama. So she's got a very strong brand around a lot of the philanthropic, philanthropic. Philanthropic. The nice things that she does. So going around, you know, supporting women's rights and sort of various charities, but, you know, she's got a very strong, I mean, her brand is, Quite remarkable. I mean, Pluralsight when they did, um, they had a big conference every year called Pluralsight One. Okay. And uh, it wasn't last year; the year before, and they actually had Michelle Obama doing the keynote. Oh wow! Yeah, that must have drawn people to see her. You know her. You know her. And see her message. Yeah. Yeah. Um, massive. Yeah. I bet she cost a fortune to book. Oh, that's the thing. Yeah, it must be like millions. Yeah. Oh yeah, expect so. Uh, Richard Branson, obviously another one of the the Virgin Empire. Of course, yeah, yeah. It's like a yeah, it's a brand in in himself, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You know, when, when you when you just mention Virgin the company, you always think of Richard Branson and his private yeah. island and yeah, him personally and his kind of image, you know, and it's, yeah. And uh, what's, what's that new venture he's doing? Is it Virgin Galactic? What's that? Is that a space thing? Is it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so wow. they've built um, a spaceport in New Mexico. Oh, wow. you're gonna you gonna go? You're gonna do it? Finger tickets would be a bit expensive. Oh, well, what is it like? It's hundreds of thousands. Oh, hundreds of thousands, half yeah. a million maybe. Yeah. But they, you know, they, they, I think the one they've got is this—it's like a plane that takes you up, and then you're in this kind of like ship that's underneath the plane. They just drop you, and it sort of flies on the edge of space. 
Oh, wow, yeah. That's so they're nice. looking to do the whole space tourism thing. Whereas when you look at what SpaceX are doing, they're, they're sending more traditional rockets up and yeah, you know, sending astronauts into space, that sort of thing. Oh, okay, yeah. But I hope, uh, hope it works out well. I think it'll be quite cool. Yeah, no, it sounds good, yeah. I'll have to go one day. Yeah, I hope space. you're doing better than Virgin Atlantic, anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it's a struggle <laughs> at the end with COVID, isn't it? Yeah, and I guess the two other ones which people always think about, certainly in the tech sphere as well, is like beer gate. Beer Gates? Beer Gates. <laughs> beer. his brother. Bill so, Gates yeah. and uh, <laughs> Elon Musk. Yeah, everyone knows who they are, don't they? Yeah. Everyone knows Bill, I mean, if, if Bill Gates recommends a book, it instantly becomes like a bestseller, doesn't yeah. it? I think people trust his brand, you know, because of what he's done, you know. I need to subliminally get him to mention my book. Yeah, on YouTube. yeah. Oh, yeah, it would be massive, yeah. Be he's massive. not going to do that. He's hardly a reluctant entrepreneur, is he? <laughs> no, no, I guess not. Uh, but I mean, yeah, you look look at what he's doing now, like with his wife, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Actually, oh, yeah. we, we recommended a documentary a few episodes ago, didn't we? Oh, about Bill Gates, yeah. One, the one, yeah was, was, it, was it called Being Bill Gates or something like that? Something like it was on, yeah, yeah it was on good, yeah. yeah, it's good to see his thought process. Trying to solve some of the, the world's biggest problems. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it makes, makes what we do seem quite small, doesn't it, really? But, but it's, yeah. Well, he's become like, it's a bit weird, isn't it? So you, it's, I don't want to get into a political debate, but you get, you get, there, there are some people out there that kind of deny or they think that COVID is like a manufactured by Bill Gates or something problem, like, yeah, and it's like, yeah, or, or designed I, by Bill Gates to I hate to I sell hate vaccines. These conspiracy theories. I just I I've heard a few people that sort of go on about these, and it's never anybody I respect who says these sorts of things. I know it sounds harsh, but yeah, I just actually actually believe this rubbish, you know. Whereas really, what he's done is he's, he's like pumped billions and billions of dollars in to try and do parallel research into different types of vaccines. It's quite oh, remarkable okay, what, he's, yeah. what he's funded, actually. So he's saying that, you know, we need to try different types. 90% of them are going to fail. Yeah. But, so the best thing to do is to do all of them in parallel. Yeah, yeah do as much as everything, yeah. Here, here, have billions of dollars. <laughs> wow. That's I know he's done like, great things like trying to like eliminate polio and things like that and um yeah uh, safe sanitation in third world countries as well yeah is a big yeah. thing you've done just simple things like having working flushing toilets oh yeah it's like yeah, sort of stopped yeah. a lot of disease yeah a lot, a lot of them are sort of, sort of um i see like flies and stuff land on human waste and then they but if you can deal with that aspect of it it gets rid of a lot of the diseases yeah you know, and things like that yeah we've still got that annoying fly in the light about flies in, yeah, in the light yeah. box up there flies are annoying yeah um, the next one is, is Elon Musk you mentioned Elon Musk yeah e- Elon Elon Elon, Elon Musk <laughs> <laughs> is that how you pronounce it Elon Elon, Elon yeah Elon is that how you pronounce it or Elon he's a bit like a, a modern day Tony Stark really, yeah he is yeah he's an interesting character yeah I know he's quite outspoken um, but yeah no, he's, he's done a lot of interesting stuff that hasn't he over the years yeah I mean what he started off with what PayPal and then now he's doing SpaceX Tesla the boring company that's quite an interesting one that he's doing Building, oh, build, building yeah. massive tunnels underneath uh, cities. So I think the Hyperloop thing is it? Is that where it's the? I think it factors into that because he's got his massive like tunnel boring machines, and it, I think the idea was like you know traffic congestion so bad on on the ground. Why don't we just have stuff underground? Yeah, yeah. That where everything goes in convoy, so you're not trying to overtake. It's like you. Oh, does it? Oh, okay, yeah. I, mean, I guess if anyone can do that sort of stuff, it's probably him. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? But he's a bit like Tony Stark, isn't he? Yeah, like some. <laughs> Mad engineer, yeah. Okay, so I mean, obviously, we talked about. I mean, they're obviously like mega rich, mega famous people, but we're we're talking about more down to earth people like us, your, your normal <laughs> normal person on the street. So, I've got a few tips here for personal branding. So, I've, I've had to 
focus a lot on this through what I do with public yeah, speaking and all that. I suppose what you do is sort of branded around you, isn't it? You know, yeah, sort of me and the career and the kind of the story that I'm trying to convey. So the first one is focus. So don't try to be everything to everyone, otherwise you fail. Okay, yeah. So, you know, if your business is working in a particular niche and you've got a story about yourself around that niche, just try and focus on that. Don't try and impress everybody. Oh, okay, yeah, be true to you, what you believe in, yeah, do. Yeah, so it's it's finding a persona for your niche. So as I, you know, your product, you know, it's in a a particular niche, whereas you're not necessarily going to try and make everyone in the entire construction industry necessarily know who you are. Yeah, make it, yeah. It probably waters down your... Yeah, what you stand for, doesn't it? Spread yourself too thin. Um, another important tip is be genuine. Try not to be someone that you're not. So there's a lot of talk about, you know, trying to get people to understand your story. Because people love stories. So if you can try and oh, t- yeah. tell a story around why your brand has come into existence, people tend to gel with that more. Yeah. But obviously, don't completely fabricate something and lie. Because oh, that's, okay. that's dishonest. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's it will make people not trust you. And you will get found out. Um, yeah, so I said, you know, people are attracted to stories. So it's always good to write down a story behind your brand. So like when you think about your product, for example, what, yeah. what, what were the things that happened to you which kind of led you into this idea? Yeah, yeah, I could perhaps go through the story of, you know, obviously I was a, a consultant then, obviously that you know, I needed tools to help me do my job and then how how we built these tools, you know, yeah. and how that helped other people. You look on the market and realise, actually, there's nothing out there that's really doing this. Yeah, there wasn't anything. I actually thought when we initially built the product, I thought if nobody else uses it, at least I can use it on my own work, you know. So that that was the thought behind it. It was almost like what they call, it, what they call it dog feeding, isn't it? Where you, mm. you using know, it yourself, using it yourself. So yeah, we definitely did that. Yeah, it's, it's, I love the whole concept of personal branding. I bought quite a few books on it, which are sitting on my shelf waiting to be read. Yeah, <laughs> I noticed you've got a lot of, lot of paper books. Because I was asking you about this one, and you said you prefer paper books to. I've gone back to paper books. Yes, books. I just prefer. Yeah, holding a real book. Books, but yeah, it looks nice. Yeah, I mean, if I had the space for the paper books, yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Yeah. So common mistakes in with branding. So showing a fake persona. Obviously, you need to be genuine if you're coming across as fake you might get away with it for a little bit of time yeah it's a bit like I watch these like YouTube because I've got a little boy and you watch all these YouTube videos of people playing games and they're completely over the top and stuff and I just, I just yeah. think that couldn't be me that would just make me well, there's, there's an interesting something. one which I read about um, so it was earlier in the year you know we had all the um, the Black Lives Matters protests around the world okay yeah, yeah. and they, they there's one story and they showed this you not YouTuber um, I can't remember who she was uh, she was uh, one of these like, influencers on Instagram yeah, and someone had filmed it so she was there with her friend so she the, the procession like the march was coming along so she kind of stood in between it her friend gave her a sign she held it up and it had like you know Black Lives Matters written on it her oh. friend took a photo of her and then she just walked off so she, oh, so, so, she, so she kind of like put herself into a position of being there at the protest got the photo to show she was there oh, um, wasn't actually to, to then post to her Instagram account to show how you know I'm, I'm such a yeah. good person where it's completely it's completely fake Yeah, and that's the sort of stuff you know, obviously she got found out because someone oh, had seen it and filmed yeah, it and recognised yeah. it. That's a bit dishonest, so, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Don't do that. Don't. Yeah, don't pretend to. To say, you know, if, if you want to, if you want to show that you support a cause like like the BLM cause and you're actually going to be there, then actually be there. Actually, actually get involved. And then, sure, take photos if you're doing it, but actually participate. Yeah. Don't just use it as a cheap photo op. Yeah, it's a tricky one. Yeah. Um. Obviously, you know, don't steal content from others. I mean, he talks about how he said someone tried to steal 
website yeah, design. Yeah, it's it sometimes hard, isn't it? I think if you just try and replicate what somebody else done, I think you quite often fail because you don't get the nuances of of talking to their customers and mm. and why they did something at a particular point, you know, and why that matters. You know, I think if you if you go from you know start from yourself and then build out to customers yeah. and then get the feedback, you know, but if you just try and replicate, you know, it's like if you tried to build Facebook today, you wouldn't succeed, would you? You know, it just wouldn't work. You know. Not the no, answer. Not no, that one to build Facebook. I've, I've, I've <laughs> kind of fall, fallen out of love with Facebook. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, lacking confidence is another important one as well. So if you're trying to convey an idea and a story behind your brand, so obviously get people to, to buy your products from you, if you lack confidence in what you're doing... Sometimes, yeah, sometimes you probably do doubt your own abilities, don't you? You get that, um, what's the word for it, where imposter syndrome... Imposter syndrome, yeah. yeah. So I think it's perhaps you need to overcome that, don't you? So, so if you're trying, confidence. if you're trying to do some marketing material like a video or a blog post, don't don't come across as sounding too on the fence or in the middle. So if, if you've got a point, make the point. Yeah, yeah. Be some people may not agree with it, but that's fine. No one yeah. has to agree with it. Um, another one as well is people avoiding video content because I think these days video is a really powerful way to sell if people can actually see who you are. Yeah. I'm, I'm not talking video like I do on the courses, but it's all like mostly screen capture. I'm talking about actually. You in front of the camera. Face. Oh yeah, yeah. We don't really do that, but yeah, I can imagine it would would be good, powerful though, wouldn't it? Well, it is because we're we're social creatures, aren't we? People yeah, respond better to... when they can actually see someone. Whereas if you're just a voice, yeah, perhaps they can believe it. Well, we do like a case study where we interview one of our customers, and that's quite nice, you know, because you get a real idea of what a, one of one of our users is and how they use the software. We do like a little case study of them using it and why they use it, and you know, the how they go about doing a project and things like that. Hmm. It's quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, some of the stuff I'm doing for promoting the book and the course and all that is going to be a whole series. I'm actually going to set up a separate YouTube channel for it and just do lots of short little explainer videos with little tips and tricks. Yeah, no, that's nice, yeah. Uh, which would be quite cool. Which kind of brings me on to other promotional techniques. So I, I do a mixture of all of these. So blogging is obviously a really good thing to do. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it depends. I mean, we we do... Um, we do... We did. We used to write content, but it didn't really help us that much because it wasn't relevant to the actual product. Not so well. Kind of is roundabout relevant mm. to the product, but we tend to find. Um, I think blogging works well in certain niches and in certain industries. You know. Um, yeah, well, it doesn't necessarily have to be a blog, and it could be case studies. Yeah, I well, yeah, So, yeah, do, like, do, yeah, do you have like, like customer testimonials on your site? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can get the testimonials written in a certain way that it actually includes some of your like popular Google keywords, for example. So, say, I, I, don't, know, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know what your keywords are, and I don't expect you to tell me either, but, no. but if you have something like still being calculator. Yeah, could, could be. Well, <laughs> that sounds like an obvious one. Yeah, <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah. You know, if, if that was one of the keywords that you're bidding on, then having testimonials on your landing page containing those keywords will help push you up the rankings. Oh, yeah, the organic rankings. Yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. So that's kind of where, but it doesn't have to be blogging. I mean, if blogging doesn't necessarily fit the niche that you're doing. It could be be testimony, it could be white papers, where you write technical white papers. Yeah, we've we've done, also we've done like these um, these span load tables, Mm. like timber elements and stuff, and that's worked out. That's kind of engineering is marketing, you know, so that does get traffic to the site, Mm. and hopefully at some point these will convert into paying customers at some point or certain percentage of yeah. more because sometimes a lot of people get worried about giving away too much so if you've got like an informational product that's yeah, of, yeah, yeah. I know. so you know I've written a book it's about 120,000 words some of the stuff in that book I'm going to do as videos and blog posts so some of that content I'm effectively going to give away not yeah, all of it yeah, but some of it I am yeah, and then hopefully cool. people will be interested enough to come in and, and read a bit more uh, webinars is another interesting one so doing actual online uh, presentations 
which obviously, which obviously is, is, a, is a big thing at the moment. Yeah, with, with Zoom. Have, you, have you done many webinars? Have they been? I've done about four or five actual webinars with Pluralsight. So, okay. so it's part of their like live, like live webinars, like live ones. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, a few of them were public ones where people could just sign up and they they marketed it. Wow. And then I've done a couple that are actually in Malaysia, but I didn't go to Malaysia. I was, yeah, they, they, they hired a studio in Derby that I went to. But it was a it was, this was more of a sales thing. So they they went into one of the customers they were trying to sell into, and then I did a, a big talk. Okay, yeah, yeah, and that was quite good. But one of the things I'm looking at doing is because I I want to build up as part of my pre-marketing for the book. I want to start building up an effective email list and list of contacts and social media contacts for it. So one of the ways that you can do that is that I can advertise a free webinar. Oh, where okay. I'll do like an hour, hour and a half, or two hour talk. I'm going to sign up for that. I'm going to sign up. <laughs> but if you want to come along, you have to sign up for it. Ah, uh, okay. So I have to give you an email address or whatever you come to. And then I'll, I'll do this like two hour webinar, and it won't be. A, it's not going to be a sell, sell, sell thing. It'll be a proper webinar with useful information. Ah, uh, okay. So we'll get value. I want from people it, to get yeah. value out. Yeah, of it. But you want to. At There's, the end, I'll say I've got this book. I've got I this think course. Really content is important. You still give something of value away, isn't yeah. it? Even if it's not the full value of what your main product is, you know. And then what I want to get to to doing is something called an evergreen product launch okay, which is yeah. apparently a thing so on a lot of sites you might get drawn into a web page and then you have a load of sales like a sales letter or sales content yeah you, you sign up and you get like a freebie of something and then you'll get like so many emails which kind of give you drips of information um, like every week or something oh, okay, the yeah. idea is that you want to bring you into a sales funnel and then sometimes you might have a special offer which expires in 10 days or something oh, okay, yeah. so you can have a, a general special offer like that on a timer which applies to everyone so you might have like a course enrollment and you have to enrol within the next 30 days oh, okay. or you can have what's called an evergreen launch where the, the act of you signing up triggers a chain of consequences or not a chain of consequences like a chain of events that happens so if I sign up today then that chain might last 10 days whereas if you sign up next week your chain starts further down the line and then goes on for 10 days okay but so you're but you're constantly trying to bring people in you're giving them content you're trying to give them stuff of value and then you're trying to get them to convert over to one of your products email software then for that then or well i've i've, I've got a list that i build on aweber but there's um a tool i've been looking at but i can't remember what it's called now that does that does the email automation type stuff. yeah it's a it's something funnel i can't remember I can't remember. I was going to do an. I was thinking yeah. we could do an episode on this sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, no, I've as, as, as I approach it, I thought yeah. it'd be interesting to document how I get on with it. Yeah, no. Um, but I've got it on my iPad, but it's in the other room. I can't remember what it's called. But yeah, it's, um, it's, 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 it's called it Dead Funnel or something like that, which actually automates all of the process of sending out the emails. Yeah, I was getting people into certain that. lead pages, trying to convert them over, and then you have content on there which is useful content so you might have like three or four pieces of content which gets fed out to them over the space of two weeks mm. but then after that you have what's called a sales video well basically a sales video where you're then trying to use more of the emotional triggers to try and get someone to convert okay yeah. which is where you might offer give them an offer at that point yeah i'd like to see how that works you know in the process behind yeah. that well, I'm, I'm doing a course on it at the moment it's like a thing that I've enrolled on. It's quite expensive. I'm not going to say what it is yet because I, I don't want to recommend it until, until, I'm, until, until I know if it's yeah. any good. Um, but if that's any good, I'll recommend what it is. Mm. But it kind of teaches you how to do this. Um, it basically teaches you how to do launches, okay. effective launches. Yeah. I shall, I shall feed back on that as, as we do it. Yeah, let's know, let's know how it goes. Great. That's quite interesting. That, that actually gave me a few ideas. Just It's good to sort of sit down See, and just talk yeah, through it with yeah, someone. I can, I can talk a lot. Not always good. 
Have you got a recommendation this week? Yeah, I have. Um, it, it's not, it, I suppose it's not technically business related. There's a, a docu-series on Netflix called High Score. Oh, yes. It's about the early sort of video game scene. Uh, mm. I think you said you watched a couple of episodes, had you or you not? Yeah, why not? You, you sent me a Slack message a little while ago, didn't you? Yeah. Recommended it and yeah, I and checked I saw, it out from that. And it was quite interesting. I watched it through and there's, there's bits in there about business, you know, about... Um, like for example, Sega's approach to launching the uh, mm. the Genesis in, in in the States and how they went about doing it. So it's quite interesting to to sort of watch it. But I just find it interesting because obviously I played a lot of these games and stuff from back in the day. So I think you did say that you'd actually worked for one of the companies, didn't you? That yeah, um, Argonaut Software. Yeah, that's so they, they did in the, um, later episodes. Well, their most famous game was called Star Fox on the Super Nintendo. Oh yeah, yeah, so, that's mentioned in so there. Super, yeah. yeah, so I, 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 I yeah, I wouldn't be surprised that one's mentioned. Yeah, and it was, yeah, because they, they, they invented, like, they sort of had to do 3D stuff, didn't they? Yeah, just I mean, there. this is before I joined the company, but the, so the, the Super Nintendo basically couldn't do any 3D. It was just a purely a 2D sprite yeah, console. Yeah, yeah. But they invented this chip, which is a coprocessor that goes into one of the cartridges. Oh, was it an Which allowed the yeah. Super Nintendo to do basic 3D, which at the time was absolutely revolutionary. I mean, you look at it now and it looks a bit... It's old. blocky, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, now, but it's still... Yeah, but back then, like... there was just absolutely... There was nothing else out like it. Yeah, yeah. And it, it sold a few copies. Did it? Oh, they did okay. <laughs> did, they, what, they did. What, did you work for them, did you say? Or what? Yeah, well, they did that. Are they still going now? Or are they no, still they're not going now, unfortunately. Um, yeah. I worked for them. When did I start working for them? Because I went to university and then I did my work placement at Argonaut. Yeah. And, and the reason I got that work placement was because of that game that I said I was writing when I was 16. Oh, cool, yeah. So it wasn't a complete waste then? It wasn't it? a complete yeah. waste, no. But so... The experience of that, and I had loads of like interviews in magazines that I'd done as well, which I showed in the interview, and that basically got me in the door there, got, got me ahead of some of the competition. Um, but when I went there, on the final year, I'd picked very specific courses for my degree. I wanted to do compiler design and advanced 3D graphics. Okay. But by the time I got to where I was having to think about going back, the university wrote to me and said those courses had been cancelled due to lack of subscription. Oh, I know, yeah. But by that point, all of the other stuff had already been taken. So it was only, well, I say only, it's just like businessy type courses. Uh, okay, left, yeah. which, which back then I wasn't interested in. That might be useful now. <laughs> useful now, yeah. <laughs> in hindsight. Uh, yeah. Um, but Argonaut basically made me an offer and said, you know, we'll pay you this salary, which is a good salary when you're young. As yeah, a, as a graduate, yeah. Quit well, university, come work for us. So I did. Okay, yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool, isn't it? What games did you work on then? Anything that uh, I worked on? So they did a cute little platformer game called Croc, which is kind of like a Super Mario, but with a very cute little crocodile. Oh, okay. So I, I worked on the Game Boy Color version of that. Oh, okay. Which is good. They did a PlayStation game called Alien Resurrection. You know the film Alien Resurrection? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was the game for the film. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I didn't work on most of the game. I was drafted in on the last few months to help fix bugs. It was horrendously late. It completely missed the film release. Did it? Oh, yeah, okay. By about a year. Oh, no. Which no. <laughs> what happens these days, a the game would just get cancelled. Would it? Oh, it wouldn't, yeah, it'd be too um, late. So I didn't have a huge amount to do on that game. I was just helping out with some bug fixing towards the end. Yeah. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, it was great. I loved it, though. It's okay. uh, it based in Edgware in London. Yeah, so what's your recommendation for this month? Uh... So mine is also a documentary. Unfortunately, it's not available on any of the streaming services to watch for free you have to it's yeah. a documentary you have to pay for uh, but it's called uh, Playing With Fire yeah I've, I know a little it. bit about this because I've heard about it in other podcasts and there's this fire what is it? Is it it's the fire movement so financial for. independence retire early yeah this is about being frugal isn't it and saving money aside it's, yeah it's, it's about a philosophy early. of how you manage your personal finances so that you can bring forward the date which you can become financially independent and therefore retire 
Now, yeah. by retire, it doesn't mean putting your feet up by the sun, sipping margarine. Well, you can do that. Yeah. But nice. it means, you know, getting to the point where, you know, if you suddenly got sacks tomorrow, would it make any difference to you financially? Yeah, yeah, so you could afford to live. So it's kind of getting to that way. point. So the documentary is about the journey of this guy and his wife, um, realising that they basically, you know, these, I think they were saying something like between them, they made like $150,000 a year, but they always spent all of their money or more. So they never saved. Yeah. So it's all about true. how can you become more financially savvy yeah. by, you know, spending less than you bring in and then investing any surplus. So it's kind of all about that. But me and my wife have been kind of following a lot of these principles for the last 10 years without actually it's, knowing that there's a name for it. Yeah. So we're, we're, I, I, I know what you mean. I, 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 do, I, I do know sort of people are quite miserly. So I think you have to be a little bit careful. Too, yeah, it's not about necessarily being a complete miser. It's about just being cost conscious like not yeah. going out to not, not going out to fancy restaurants four times a week yeah, yeah. and it's sort of living within your means and saving some money aside yeah, yeah. perhaps yeah. I should do more of that <laughs> but I thought it was interesting to recommend it because if you're looking to set up your own business and go full time on it then you that's probably a time in your life where you do want to be a bit miserly yeah. and pull back I, and yeah I think I had to be on a first time business I had to see how to you know watch your costs and yeah I think it's like, just do the, it's like that book we've recommended loads of times Company of One yeah. One, of, one of the things he talks about in that book is that you know you need to work out what the number is that you want your business to earn, uh, and, okay. and not worry too yeah. much about growth over there. Well, what you actually really, really need, you know, is if you well. if you spend a lot of money and have high expenses in your personal life, then you need your business to perform better. But if, but, but, but if you pull back and you're actually a bit more conservative in how you spend your money, conservative's a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean but conservative more, as in policy, but if you're a bit more, more reserved, careful, if you're more, more careful. careful then your business could be just as financially beneficial for you, but bringing in less money because your overheads are less. Yeah. So it's kind of that philosophy. So you kind of, so I thought I'd recommend it because it does kind of tie in with some of the things that we talked yeah, about. Yeah, definitely. I think when you're starting out, I think that's part of it. And it, that gives you that financial resilience, doesn't it? Then to perhaps take on more things than you would otherwise, mm. you know, or perhaps start your business. If you're doing a side hustle, your business, you can get to that number quicker, can't you? Yeah, I mean, one of the things there was that number you need to earn before yeah. you can quit your job, you know. And one of the things they talk about is how to bring in passive income. Now, one of the things they talk about in the documentary is via like investing into index funds and things like that, which is something I don't, I know nothing about. Yeah. But you know, investing in the stock market, letting it grow over 15, 20 years, and then ideally, if you can live off four percent of the returns from that, I'm going to have to watch this. I, I, I was a bit sceptical when I see this because I think is it too? Is it based upon somebody living in? United States rather than in the United UK. States, but they were living in quite an expensive beach area in California. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. So, so part, so part of the documentary is about their, you know, trying so to find somewhere, somewhere cheaper, cheaper to live. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I think sometimes that's that. Sometimes in the UK, it's quite cost of living is quite expensive, so sometimes it's harder to save. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it depends. I mean, like my my brother and could live somewhere cheaper. Easy to my my, my brother and his fiance, I mean, they lived um, down in London. Oh, until okay, recently, yeah, yeah. so there's you know they're you know looking to get married. They're kind of starting out on that journey. Absolutely no way they could afford anything in London. Right, yeah, yeah. So in the end, they were they were looking around the country. So let's move away for five years, somewhere cheap, and hopefully we can they can move back to London in the future. So they ended up buying a house in a place near Manchester called Oldham. Okay, yeah. And the house was very cheap compared to what you'd buy in London. 
Yeah. Um, so the, unfortunately, Oldham's one of the places that's been locked down the longest <laughs> in the country. Oh, no. So the timing was a bit bad for that. But in terms of an investment for them, they plan to stay there for you know five years, build up the equity in the house, sell it, and then hopefully they can move back closer to where they came yeah. from. Yeah. Or yeah, they might move to somewhere else, somewhere in between. Yeah. Something, maybe. Yeah. Who knows? But yeah, I think there's there's things you can do. I always think that sometimes it's careful. It's it's hard, isn't it? Um, you know, if your job dictates you have to be in a particular part of the country that's expensive, you know, it's sometimes hard for you to get away from it, isn't it? But yeah. I, I'm gonna have—I've not seen the documentary, so I'm gonna have to watch it. Is it on Prime? Is it? Um, uh, it well, it's on Amazon, but you have to buy it separately. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it's, it's, uh, it's not included on yeah. Prime. So I, I, I just bought it on iTunes. Yeah, <laughs> I've got iTunes. Yeah, there is a book as well of the same name, Playing with Fire. So if you do want to watch the documentary, I watched the, the uh, watched the trailer. It did look quite interesting, actually. It's got the two guys that do the minimalism. Yeah, so they're interviewed on it. The yeah. documentary that was was that on. I'm gonna watch that now. The minimalism documentary. That's on Netflix. Netflix, yeah, yeah that's quite good. So yeah, no, it's, I think there's something in that. It's worth watching it. I mean, even if you don't intend to do any of the things that they did, I think it's it's an interesting perspective. Just to take, just to, yeah, to take something away from it. I mean, some, I'm, I'm more in the entrepreneurship camp where you make well, money. This is the other thing. So they're on about investing. Basically, can do both. They're know? on about investing, but really, what they're on about is earning a passive income. So not selling your time for money is basically what it's about. Yeah. So and they they use this term a lot. We've used this term on the podcast. It's buying back your time. Yeah. Well, passive income lets you buy back your time. So what I do is all passive income. So I'm, I don't invest in the stock market because I know nothing about it apart from my pension. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I do. I use my time at risk to do projects which then earn back passive income. Yeah. Which, which is the same thing. Yeah, yeah, your, business, your business is similar. So yeah, no, yours is same, yeah, we build software that, that, that um, generates income without us having to work. You know, yeah, so, um, so you, you took the risk up front by building the system, yes. which, you, which I guess you weren't paid for, and then you put it out there and you hope to, that the rewards yeah, come in later. It, yeah, no, it's, done, so. it's the same principle as the, the stock market. Yeah, I guess we're probably just playing it from a different perspective yeah. so rather than investing in stocks and shares we're investing in entrepreneurship and yeah so the risk is different so they? with the stock market you're the risk that you're doing is you're putting up cash when you're yeah. building a passive income product the risk that you're putting up is time which is far more valuable yeah <laughs> in my opinion but yeah but yeah no it's hard yeah no I, I think yeah perhaps it is a similar perhaps they're just coming at from somebody who works a day job obviously they can't hmm. always do a side business or do a business so but yeah perhaps it's a similar sort of approach isn't it perhaps it's, it's just not it's a good documentary it's basically a story of this couple but they also interviewed lots of people along the way it'd be interesting to see how they I assume it's like how they became you know fire people you know how they, how they yeah well by the end of the documentary they weren't financially independent they weren't but, but what, what they talk about is there's, there's, there more. there's different calculators you can work out where you can, you can input data in about your expenses and stuff and work out how long it's going to take you to get to financial independence. Yeah. Were, they, were they gaining near to that? Oh, yeah. But yeah, they, they, they got pretty close. Yeah, so yeah, they were in touching distance mm. of achieving that, that dream. Because the maths behind it isn't, isn't hard. It's spend less than you make. <laughs> Save <laughs> in, in, Invest the surplus. Save you know, the maths behind it is simple, but yeah. obviously doing it is hard. I think it's hard sometimes. Perhaps it depends. I mean, not everybody has really high, you know, highly paid jobs, so sometimes it's probably harder to save more if you're not in that situation. Probably if you earn more, it's yeah. easier to, isn't it? I mean, it's not for everyone. I'm not, uh, I'm not suggesting everyone goes and watches a documentary and then starts becoming incredibly frugal. But No, I'm, I'm going to go and watch that, actually. But it's, it's an interesting perspective. And yeah. to be honest, in this day and age where things are looking a bit ropey with jobs and the economy yeah. is maybe pulling back on people's expenses is a good thing tighten your belts and so yeah and, and tighten your purse strings is perhaps the way to go isn't it mm. okay is that is that a wrap then I think we... that's a wrap I think we have a show okay so we, we shall be back sometime in 
October. Yeah, yeah, we're back. Um, that means I need to publish this before October now. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Steve said. But no, yeah, it's good to good to talk to you, Stephen. Uh, good luck to everybody. Hopefully, everybody's okay with what's happening out there, and we can all move on. And hopefully, we'll yeah. get a vaccine, all go back to normal. Stay, stay, stay safe, and we'll see you soon. Yeah, see you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.